0: A young perspective on hot-button issues around the world. This is The Hub.
1: Hello and welcome to today's special program, One World, Shared Future. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. Not all seeds that are planted become tall trees giving shade and fruits, but the ones we're talking about today have arguably taken roots worldwide. Ten years ago, Chinese President Xi Jinping proposed forging a community with a shared future for mankind where we all share a common destiny, grow and prosper together? A recent example is the China-brokered rapprochement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. The two countries decided to re-establish diplomatic relations through China's mediation. So, as it marks the 10th anniversary of this important concept, the shared future is being explored by more countries and more scholars from the West. Can this concept prevail when competition, even rivalry, is rife? With Chinese modernization making extraordinary headway and the myth that modernization equates Westernization debunked, what does it mean for the world? I'm honored to be joined by distinguished guests from different parts of the world sharing their insights on today's topic and in today's forum. First of all, let's loop in two guests from Europe. In Oslo, we have our old friend Eric Soheim, convener of the BRIGC advisory committee and former UN undersecretary general. He's also an advisor to the World Resources Institute. And also in London, we have John Ross, senior fellow at the Chongyang Institute for Financial Studies at Renmin University of China. John is also a former director of economic policy for the mayor of London. Gentlemen, a very warm welcome to all of you. Eric, we're marking the 10th anniversary of the concept of building a community with a shared future for mankind. How do you see this concept being operationalized over the past decade?
2: I think this concept is critically important because all major issues of our time, whether peace, environment, economic recovery after COVID, uh, bringing everyone out of poverty, all major issues of our time need us to work together. The most important relationship is that between China and the U.S., but it also includes europe africa india every part of the world so we need to work together uh, and there is one future either we succeed together or we fail together that's the core of that concept the main opera- way of operationalizing is from china's side it's supposed to be belt and road i consider belt and road so far an astonishing success it has built say the railroad just from laws to china making landlocked laws co- connected to the uh, world grid of, of, of railroads there have been the um, railroad in ethiopia in kenya the bandung Jakarta railroad in, in indonesia metro in hanoi there are so many astonishing results of Belt and road so we should look a bit aside from all the criticisms uh, there is always something to criticize overall it has been a great success focusing on infrastructure, but also on people-to-people's contact.
1: Eric, you have been a keen observer of green initiatives worldwide, especially recently in China. Where do you see the possibilities of global cooperation to create what China calls an ecological civilization? What specific expertise can different regions contribute? Can green collaboration rise above politics, in your opinion?
2: It needs to, (laughs) because it's so important. There is one climate on planet Earth. It's not an American or a Chinese or a European climate. We need to uh, to reduce the uh, very very rapid speed of global warming together. And look, China these days have superb experience in key areas. No nation ever in history has brought down pollution at the speed China's done in the last dec- uh, one decade. I mean, ten years ago, Beijing, Tianjin were heavily populated uh, cities, basically sometimes like hell. Now you can see the sky the blue sky in these cities brilliant and that expertise can be shared with other nations but china is also maybe not so visible to everyone and now a world leader of conservation of nature with great national parks and with schemes and programs for tree planting which are absolutely world class president she has promised that china will plant an area the size of belgium every year from now to 2030 uh, that that is astonishing and it uh,
1: can inspire others. China is working with many countries in that front. Now, John, let me turn to you. China's two sessions have set a target for China's GDP in the year 2023, it is around 5%, which some regard as a low point in China's growth. Does it mean China's growth engine has been compromised? And uh, because you earlier said that from one of the poorest countries in the world, China would become a high income country by 2023. What is your assessment now?
0: Yeah, that 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 will roughly be it'll be either this year or next year. It it really depends on the exchange rate, which nobody's able to predict uh, totally accurately, because if they could, they'd be so rich that they'd make everybody all all the billionaires look like paupers. So nobody is capable of absolutely accurately predicting the uh, the exchange rate, which is technically for the level that China has to get to be a high income economy. But from the point of growth, there's no doubt what's um, what is taking place if we take during the pandemic take the three years of the pandemic, China's growth is slightly above 13%. The US is slightly above 5%. That means China's grown two and a half times as fast as the United States. If you look at China's projections to 2035, which is to double GDP and GDP per capita compared to 2020, that requires a 4.6% growth rate to be achieved at average each year. So 5% is actually slightly above that. So there's no doubt on these processes that China will achieve this, um, the doubling of GDP, GDP by capita by 2035, and five percent, around five percent, is still going to be much faster than any of the Western economies, than the United States or the EU. I mean, if you take the comparison to the EU in, during the pandemic, China's grown six times as fast as the as the EU. And if you look at it from the proportion of world output that China's accounted for in during the pandemic period, it's about, 30, it's about 36%, about double that, which is um, by the, for the United States. So China will continue to be overwhelmingly the main dominant um, motive force of the development of the world economy during the next period at a 5% growth rate. All right, thanks for this
1: analysis. Eric, a global community means greater people-to-people exchanges and you have been advocating the benefits of tourism. You now have a new title that is International Climate Advisor to the Sri Lankan President. And you said in January that uh, 150 million tourists left China the year before COVID, and tourism from China will soon resume, or at least that's the hope. Um, Huge opportunities for countries like Sri Lanka. How do you see tourism post-COVID? in helping developing nations that are facing an economic crisis. Uh, What could be Chinese tourists' role in that?
2: First of all, there is reason for optimism in Sri Lanka now. It's a deep, deep economic crisis where many, many people have lost a lot in Sri Lanka. But the reason for optimism comes from global cooperation. Because debt relief for Sri Lanka is now promised by President Xi of, of China, by Prime Minister Modi of India, and by the International Monetary Fund, all of them working together to help Sri Lanka. So that shows in just one nation how important international cooperation is. This is a tourist dependent economy and all tourists left during, during COVID. Now hopefully it can come back. And China is one of, is the main tourist producing nation in the world. Look, there are millions upon millions of young people in the world, in India, in Africa, all over, who need jobs. They're desperate for jobs. They want decent, well-paid, good jobs. One area which can provide that is tourism. Because tourism, I mean, you can, if you make a car factory, you can do everything by robots. Even the smallest hotel needs staff. Otherwise, you cannot serve the bear. You cannot make make the beds. So you need an enormous amount of staff for tourism. So it creates jobs. That's one of the reasons why tourism is so important. And I, I just encourage Chinese tourism to look into Sri Lanka, but many other con- developing countries also for the fantastic culture, great food, g- uh, great uh, great beaches, fantastic nature, so much to explore. China in itself, of course, can uh, benefit from domestic tourism also, but Chinese going abroad is a major so- potential source of income for African Uh, and other Asian developing countries. So please go abroad, please spend money, and please that way also help developing countries.
1: However, with climate crisis deepening, we have to ensure that tourism is sustainable and it is not compromising local environment and the environmental issues are not aggravated. Also, we have to keep safety features in mind. Uh, How would you advocate approaching tourism in the new era? What are some of the do's and don'ts?
2: The most important of course is to protect the main sites the many tourists want to come whether these are culture sites like temples or castles or whatever it is or tourist site, um, nature site like na- national parks uh, they need to be good protected so that tourism are not spreading over and destroying the sites that's critical then of course the tourist industry need to be c- uh, zero carbon make sure that the don't emit a lot of carbons from the hotels, uh, uh, that we move into electric cars in the long run, into electric or, or hydrogen flights. So we need to reduce the carbon footprint and the impact on the uh, environment from tourists.
1: John, your book, China's Great Road, in that book, you said the sheer scale of China's developments and its consequences for humanity is huge. It's also about China's interconnection with other countries, especially with the global south. But to create a global community with shared future, it is not enough for the Global South to come together only. The Global North arguably has to be also involved. How successful or unsuccessful do you think China has been in achieving that? And do you
0: think such unity will eventually happen? Well, yes, I think it eventually will happen because it's in the interest of the people in the Global North. Uh, the problems that have been created in this haven't been created by China. Unfortunately, they've been created by the United States, as I mentioned earlier. They, You have a reg- sort of regression to protectionism in the United States, which was launched under Trump. And unfortunately, although Biden doesn't put forward the same type of protectionist rhetoric as um, Trump did, unfortunately, he hasn't got rid of the tariffs and other impediments uh, to trade. But this is very damaging to the people of the global north. I mean... Let, let, if you take Huawei, for example, Huawei had a plan for a £1 billion research and development facility to be developed in Cambridge. That would have created very, very highly paid jobs because this is a centre of high high technology. Um, very jobs that would really great. It would have strengthened Cambridge as a scientific centre. Well, Huawei de facto now has cancelled it. Well, why should it? If it's not allowed to participate in Britain's development of telecommunications due to US pressure, This is shooting yourself in the foot. It's damaging. Countries don't want to go along with it. And unfortunately, the obstacles did not come from the United States. So we just have to continue to argue for more rational policies. And I believe in the end, self-interest will come through and people will stop all these damaging activities.
1: Yeah, Yeah, John, back to our main topic today. How would you compare the Chinese concept of building a community with a shared future? How would you compare it with previous paradigms proposed by Western scholars or by scholars and policymakers in other parts of the world?
0: Well, it's very original, It's um, because it take in the following sense, it encapsulates and puts into a single concept things which were known before. It's very profound sense of this point that the progress of humanity is based upon the increase in division of labor, or on so, socialist terms called the socialization of labor, but they're exactly the same concept. That And this is the whole development of humanity ever since humanity existed. Humanity came to into being in very small groups. It then formed countries. It formed empires. And it f- has now formed an interconnected global world. And it's going to become more and more interconnected. But what had not been done was to draw out the political conclusions and draw them together in a single concept. And this is important then because then this allows you to follow these policies uh, more consistently, so therefore this is this concept is on the one hand it builds on what went before the correct things which went before, but it's extremely original. I think therefore it's a very profound idea and it should be studied throughout the world. I mean this very seriously, you know basically you know, American universities should be teaching their students this type of thing.
1: Eric, what are your thoughts on uh, this Chinese concept, the community with shared future? I mean once again, how would you compare it? against the other previous paradigm?
2: I think it's, as we have just heard, it's a great summary of global wisdom. It's not new. I mean, in the old Vedas in in India 2,500 years back, they say the whole universe is one family. That's basically the same. We need to work together if we want to achieve a a better world for for everyone. It's also deeply rooted to causing Confucianism. It is all about how you create a society which with harmony between people. So it's not new, but it's a new expression of a, um, of a very important thought. The biggest problem we do have is that certain circles in the United States believe that they can export their political system to the entire world. But let's, let's be fair, the American political system has worked fairly well for America. It's a prosperous nation and, and with some difficulties in the, in the last years has been, been a shining democracy for the last hundred years. Some hypocrisy, yes, but largely has worked well for America. It's not the same that that should be exported to the rest of the world. Uh, there are very di- different systems. The Chinese system is for sure different. I am absolutely certain that China will not in the next 50 years adopt the American system, but nor will America adopt the Chinese system. In India, Hinduism is very close um, to people's heart, but they don't want to export Hinduism uh, to the entire world. So we need to get rid of this idea that someone should export their system into a world where we work together for common purposes, even on the basis of different systems. Uh, that's the future, and that's what's also encompassed in a word of, of sh- uh, shared prosperity or sh- uh, shared, shared future, because that can only be shared between people with different ideas, different religions, different political systems, but
1: working together for common purposes. Eric and John, thank you so much for coming on our show.
0: Really appreciate it. Focus, focus on what's relevant in China and the world. Bridge the Bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know. This is The Hub.
1: Now for more perspectives, we also have Dr. Cyprian Farkas, Mayor of Sopran joining us from Hungary. Dr. Cyprian Farkas, Mayor of Sopran Hungary, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to CGTN. Mayor Farkas, let's talk about municipal level cooperation. I know that uh, Sopran and Yichang City in central China have a sister city program. Um, How has this city program fared so far? I know the past three years have been difficult Um, What's your plan for the future when it comes to engaging with Yichang and more Chinese cities?
3: We signed a cooperation agreement with Yichang years ago. However, the mood in Europe has shifted due to the COVID pandemic and the current Russia-Ukraine crisis. We were prevented from any possible cooperation, but we are still open to negotiate with our Chinese partners. We believe that we can successfully cooperate in the fields of education and tourism with Yichang or other Chinese cities.
1: Exactly. Last year, middle school students from two provinces in China as well as those county in Hungary, namely Agor, Mason and Sopran uh, took part in an art competition. Can you tell us more about that? How did they go?
3: The cooperation at the level of middle school is great, and we take great pride in it and support it. Jairo Moson-Sopran County, where Sopran City is also located, is the sister county of Hubei Province. The capital of Jaira Masson sopran is Sopran and of Hubei Province is Wuhan. I think there are great potentials in cooperation when talking about tourism, but also in education. Sopran hosts a great university of forestry science. This is the only university where students can educate as forestry engineers. I think in terms of higher education, this is the best field of cooperation with Chinese universities or companies, and we in Sopran support it as much as we can.
1: So when it comes to tourism, what do Chinese tourists mean to the tourism industry, to your city and to Hungary as a whole, but to your city in particular?
3: We always warmly welcome our Chinese friends since the Vienna International Airport is only 50 kilometers far from Sopron and also from Budapest. It only takes 2 hours to drive to Sopron. It is not a big distance. It does not take a very long time and it is not uncomfortable either to travel to Sopron. And we do experience that visitors from Asia and especially Chinese visitors appreciate the miracle of Sopron. Its medieval town and also its environment, the surroundings where the city is located. Perhaps I want to review a big secret by saying that Sopran is also very famous for its red wine, which is also well known across Europe. And I think that could be of interest to visitors from Asia as well.
1: Mayor Farkas, we know that Hungary was actually among the first European countries to join the Bowden Road Initiative in 2015. How are you looking at this Chinese initiative? Is there in any way the city of Sopran is feeling the impact of this initiative?
3: We have great hopes regarding the Belt and Road initiative because the flow of goods from east to west has a great potential for us as well as for Sopran. We expect our Chinese partners to be present and cooperate in this field as well. We can provide all the support our Chinese partners need if they want to do business in our area.
1: How are you looking at China's many initiatives uh, in the world these days from the Global Security Initiative, Global Development Initiative, Global Civilizations Initiative to the Belt and Road Initiative? Uh, Really, how do you look at China's role in the world?
3: China is a crucial partner for Hungary. For instance, in 2020, China was Hungary's number one investor. I think China's role in the world means that everyone needs to be aware of China's potential. It is good and rewarding to cooperate with China, because China has substantial production capacities. Also, that makes China an unavoidable partner for
4: everyone
1: any thoughts and hopes for the future of the relations between Sopran and Chinese cities and as well as uh, between China and Hungary.
4: We
3: Hungarians particularly like the Chinese and Chinese cuisine, and the Chinese culture is mysterious for us. We would like the Chinese to become familiar with Hungarian culture and cuisine, which is quite well-known in Europe. And we welcome Chinese tourists and students in Sopran. We look forward to collaborating and cooperating in the fields of economy and education or tourism. We're welcoming you all from China.
1: So, Mayor Farkas, for many years, China proposed building a community with a shared future for mankind. What's your understanding of this Chinese initiative, building a shared future for mankind?
3: this is great initiative i think it is an unavoidable initiative that has merits for all the countries in the world in my opinion those progressive developing countries that feel responsible for leaving a sustainable future to mankind forever should join this initiative
0: focus focus on what's relevant in china and the world bridge the g- bridge the gap between what you know and what you want to know this is the hub
1: as relations between beijing and washington have become more tense and more complex are chinese americans feeling the brunt will the chinese philosophy of building a shared future help seek a common ground between the two for more on this let's hear from joy chan ceo of the multicultural leadership institute and former deputy mayor of los angeles So Joy, you've been championing the cause of Asian Americans for many years and helping them climb up the corporate ladder of America. Uh, We know life is tough at the top, especially uh, as a minority. How would you uh, compare the situation now versus um, years ago? And do you think because of the pandemic and the subsequent Asian hate in many parts of the country, uh, things are reversing a a little bit?
4: The Asian American glass ceiling has been ongoing for you could say hundreds of years. And I grew up as a child in America in the 1970s, watching my father struggle under the Asian American glass ceiling. You know, my father was born in China in Jiangxi province, and he went to MIT where he studied a master's degree in engineering. And his entire 30 year career, he remained an individual contributor. You know, the first line worker, he never moved up. Same thing with my mother, Um, she's from China and she went to Cornell University, another top university in China, and she also never moved up. So to me, the glass ceiling was something that I watched in my growing up years and that really shaped me. It made me feel like I wanna do something, I wanna really figure out how American society actually works so that I could break through And, um, you know, I've been really gratified that I was able to break through. And now it's really my honor and my privilege to help other Asian Americans.
1: Joy, what do you think of the significance of Michelle Yeoh's winning the Oscars? And the fact that the movie, um, Everything Everywhere All At Once is doing so well, sweeping the Oscars, uh, both in terms of the symbolism of it and also perhaps in a more substantive way for the elevation of Chinese Americans and Asian Americans and Chinese and Asians around the world, and especially in America?
4: (laughs) Um, That's a great question. I think that symbolically it's very important because Asians have never won until now. Michelle Yeoh is actually only the second woman of color um, to win this honor. And so I think that symbolically, it's very important to say, we won't be invisible anymore. You know, Asians are stereotyped as the perpetual foreigners yeah, um, just visible in American society, and so s- the symbolism of it is very powerful. I think substantively, it's very, very important. Also, because I think that maybe Hollywood has always assumed that if we make a movie about Asians, it'll never sell, you know, and that Asians are just—it's part of the stereotype of us as being perpetual foreigners. Like, Asians don't matter. Nobody really cares about Asians. Um, it's too big of a financial risk to invest in movies about Asians and what this shows is that Asian-themed movies can be very commercially successful, so I think the substance of this is also very important.
1: How do you feel about the current tensions uh, across the Pacific Ocean between uh, you know, China and the United States? Uh, what are your hopes for this relationship going forward?
4: I'm very concerned about these tensions. I feel that they're worse now than I've ever seen them in my life. And it would be so much better for peace and stability in our world and prosperity in our world for these two great powers to be able to get along well. And um, I do hope that those of us who have experience in both sides, those of us who are bicultural, those of us who are bilingual, that maybe we can play a role in stabilizing relations.
1: Finally, Joy, what do you think of the Chinese philosophy of seeking greater balance and greater harmony uh, among peoples and between nations, You know, creating this collective future together?
4: Greater prosperity, greater harmony is something that I think is very important. I mean, at the end of the day, there are things that divide us, there are cultural differences. But we're all people, right? And I think that there is much more that we have in common um, as humans on Earth than there are things that divide us.
1: Joy Chen, come back again. And it's so good to see you. And um, nice hopefully time. you'll come visit us at some point. Thank you for Absolutely.
4: Time. I can't wait to come back. Thanks, Gwen. Wonderful to be with you. Thanks. Bye.
1: Bye that will do it for this special program, One World Shared Future. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Wang Guan in Beijing. Our news coverage continues. Bye and take care.